Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Goulis. And I got a question from a listener, another nice letter. And this listener is from the United Kingdom, from England. His name is Sean. And he asks us this. If we speak in terms of one holy Catholic and apostolic church, why then do we also talk about Catholic churches? as in the Albanian Catholic Church, Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, etc., and the 21 sui juris churches in plural. Uh, sui juris, by the way, means a church in and of itself, sort of like almost something like self-governing, but not separate from everyone else or from the Pope, but in and of itself. So there are 21 different jurisdictions in what we call the whole Catholic Church. And Sean's question is, how can there be this if we speak in terms of one holy Catholic and apostolic church? What's well, a good question, Sean, and basically the answer is this. The one holy Catholic apostolic refers to the fact that these churches, or you know, the church, the true church, stems from the tradition laid down by the apostles, practiced by the apostles, passed down from the apostles, who, of course, receded from Jesus Christ and from their Jewish heritage, passed down intact before the Bible was even codified or fully written, passed it down through the Bible, but also through sacred tradition, through sacred practice and teaching, word of mouth and practice and so on. And there was one way, one belief, as it were. However, from that one apostolic tradition, or we call it apostolic succession, there were different ways to express that. So we're still one church in terms of our belief, in terms of our origins. We come from the one same Jesus Christ through the same apostles. So it is the same faith, the same basic church, but expressed in a number of different ways. Again, it's something like being human. We are all human. There is only one human race, but yet we can speak of the human race in terms of children, adults, men, women, African-Americans, Chinese, 
Mexicans, etc., etc. In other words, different manifestations of the one same humanist, something like a many-faceted diamond. So hopefully that answers the question simply enough, Sean, and we really appreciate you writing to us. And by the way, Sean is discerning whether he should move from the being a Latin Rite Catholic to a Eastern Rite Catholic, and he's going through a certain discernment there. So we keep Sean in our prayers, and we'll keep in touch with him and help him along in his discernment. Well, Katie, we have an interesting item in the news, especially in the aftermath of the holidays, you know, the holy days, especially of Christmas and St. Nicholas, which weren't all that far away. We're not that far away from them, but an interesting item has has occurred in the, in the media, in the news. That's right, Father Tom. I came across an article the other day on, on a website, and it was from the BBC News, and the article says, the headline is, Turks want Santa's bones returned. And at first I was like, well, I have to read this article because it sounds interesting. I really enjoy Christmas. But as I read the article, I realized that was even more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And this is what the article had to say. It was written by Jonathan Head, a BBC reporter in Istanbul. And he writes, a Turkish archaeologist has called on his government to demand that Italy return the bones of St. Nicholas to their original resting place. The third century saint on whom Santa Claus was modeled was buried in the modern day town of Demre in Turkey. But in the Middle Ages, his bones were taken by Italian sailors and reinterred in the port of Bari. The Turkish government said it was considering making a request to Rome for the return of the saint's remains. While Christmas is by and large not celebrated in Muslim Turkey, the Christmas figure of Santa Claus certainly is in the Mediterranean town of his birth. He was born in what was then the Greek city of Myra in the 3rd century and went on to become the local bishop with a reputation for performing miracles and secretly giving gold to the needy, on one occasion being forced to climb down a chimney to leave his donations. After his death, he was canonized at St. Nicholas and venerated in much of the Christian world, but when Myra was occupied by Arab forces in the 11th century, Italian soldiers came and took the saint's bones to the port of Bari, where they remain interred to this day. Now, a professor, Nevzat Savik, head of archaeological research in Demre, says St. Nicholas had made it clear during his life that he wanted to be buried in his hometown. Even without the bones, the town of Demre has not been shy about cashing in on its most famous native son. Today, visitors to the Byzantine church there are greeted by a large plastic Santa statue, (laughs) complete with beard and red snowsuit. Well, Katie, as Byzantine Catholics who have St. Nicholas as our patron saint of our entire church. I think we have a few reactions to this. (laughs) There's actually a few more quotes I have, and these quotes are from an English-language Turkish newspaper called the Hurriyet Daily News. They're from the Minister of Culture and Tourism in Turkey, and he said that we want them all back, referring to St. Nicholas's bones, because every piece should be displayed where it belongs. This is what we're trying to do now. We're trying to take care of our museums and archaeological sites and tell the world that we are right about our demands. I believe that we will be able to manage this in a very short time. And there's also another interesting quote from this article from a Belgium tourist who says, I, like any civilized person, would like to see the remains of St. Nicholas where it belongs. Not only should his remains, but every historical piece smuggled abroad should be returned. They are part of the world's cultural heritage and should be where they belong. And the archaeologist Nezvat Savik said, This is not a sculpture or a door we're talking about here. We're talking about the body of a saint. St. Nicholas said, I was born here, I have lived here, and I will be buried here before his death. He was buried here, and he should be kept here, too. 
Well, that's interesting. First of all, <laughs> first of all, we appreciate the fact that the country of Turkey has taken an interest in its Christian heritage, even though it is not necessarily for Christian reasons because it's not a Christian country. Turkey, also known formerly as Asia Minor, was a great bastion of Eastern Christianity. In fact, that's where the Byzantine Empire was. That's where the town of Byzantium was, which was later named Constantinople under Constantine, is today modern-day Istanbul, Turkey. This was the mother seat with the great mother church, the great Hagia Sophia Holy Wisdom Church, the mother, the womb of the entire Byzantine church, of which we are a part. And there are, of course, Byzantine Catholics and Byzantine Orthodox Christians, or Christians that follow the Byzantine tradition, both Orthodox and Catholic. And so, There is a great Christian heritage there in Turkey, but Turkey has become a secular country, and if it has any predominant religion, it is actually Muslim and not Christianity any longer. So it's interesting that the country of Turkey would have an interest in St. Nicholas's relics and in certain aspects of their heritage, but their heritage is actually Christian. You know, the fame of their heritage is Christian. The reason people come to Turkey to tour the great sites there are what are those sites? By and large, not all of them, but by and large, those sites are Christian sites. <laughs> but it's interesting because, especially the last line, the last quote there, Katie, that you had, that you read, that it's interesting that they're, they're concerned about putting things back in their rightful place, almost like they're sort of justifying this, which is largely a commercial venture, I think. They're justifying this under the idea of trying to restore order, put things back right, and be honest about things. Well, I think we have a certain reaction to that. And that would be, if you really want to do things right, you would restore Hagia Sophia, the great church, the great church of holy wisdom, back to the Orthodox Church. In other words, namely the Orthodox Patriarch, who today is Patriarch Bartholomew, who of course lives in Istanbul, Turkey. This was basically the church of the Orthodox Christians, and before that, one of the great churches of the East, before the schism. Later on, after the schism in 1054, the East became known as the Orthodox Churches. But regardless, it is a church that is the mother, the womb of the entire Eastern Byzantine Church, whether Orthodox or Catholic. And that church was taken over in 1452 by the invading Muslim Turks, and they turned it into a mosque immediately. And centuries later, it then became a museum, which is basically what it is today. Now, what's happening is there's a lot of restoration going on. As you read, Katie, there's archaeologists, and it's almost like Turkey's discovering a gem in its history that it had literally and figuratively whitewashed over for many, many years. And that gem, in truth, is its Christian heritage. We're going to talk more about this, but I just want to make this announcement before a break and that for those of you who are married, you might be interested in the Tabor Life Presents Married Life as you always dreamed it could be. And it's a retreat for married couples, March 12th to the 14th, 2010. It's at the beautiful Carriage House at the Harbor on the shores of Lake Michigan in South Haven, Michigan. And I'll be one of the speakers there, one of the presenters, along with the members of the Tabor Life Institute, of which I am a member. If you want more information about that, go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Or call 708-645-0762. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long, made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, nut and poppy seed rolls. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Daughters of St. Paul sponsor a monthly study group on the theology of the body. The discussions are led by Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. Every second Saturday during the month at Pauline Books and Media, 172 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, from 1030 until 12 noon Central Time. Simultaneously and interactively video streamed live online. As you know, we are concerned about the sacramental liturgical worldview as delivered by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. For more information, go to daughtersofstpaul.com or call 312-346-4228. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... And now, back to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm here with Kenny Goulis, and we're talking about the desire that some people in the nation of Turkey have to regain, to bring back the relics of St. Nicholas, the great patron saint of Byzantine Catholics, of which Katie and I both are one. And we sort of have, um, well, we're kind of gratified by that in one sense, but the other sense, we are we sort of take a certain issue with it. And there's a couple more issues we had in addition to the ones that we were talking about before the break. That's right, Father Tom. You know, the Turkish government and the archaeologists want to bring the remains of St. Nicholas back to Turkey and put them in the Church of St. Nicholas, but they failed to mention that the Church of St. Nicholas is now a museum. It's not being used as a functioning church anymore. So I would also say that in addition to the Hagia Sophia being restored to all of its glory, that they should also restore 
the Church of St. Nicholas as well. And I was having a conversation online with one of our faithful listeners, Jack, and he added that they should also restore the theological school on the island of Halki, which Halki, we talked yes. about in, in a previous episode when we were talking about Patriarch Bartholomew, that they should also restore that to being a theological school. So, so yeah, those are the few points that we wanted to make. In fact, Katie, you mentioned the school of Halki. Our listeners will have a chance to visit that if they become part of the Orientalilumen Euro East Conference. That's Euro East number three. It, the title of it is The Councils of the Church, and this is July 5th to the 8th, 2010, in Constantinople. We always call it Constantinople. It'll always be Constantinople to us. <laughs> it's actually modern-day Turkey. In fact, one of the places that they'll visit on this great conference in Turkey is Halki, is the School of Theology. I was there, and it's on a beautiful island. And I, I had a chance to visit that at one of the previous Oriental Lumen conferences. But uh, those who go on this trip will be able to visit it then and also have the opportunity to visit Ephesus and the island of Patmos, where St. John got the vision that then became the Book of Revelations and his gospel. And he was on that island in exile. And as the icons depict, he got this revelation while in a cave, and, it, and the icons depict his scribe, as it were, his secretary, Procurus, writing down the revelation as John was receiving it. So people have an opportunity to visit that island, as well as to tour Istanbul, Turkey, which is a marvelous city, and hear magnificent, magnificent talks from very prestigious people, one of which is the ecumenical patriarch himself, ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew, who is basically the head of the Greek Orthodox Church. To find out more about that, you can go to olconference.com. That's olconference.com. Now, if you want to view sample videos of these conferences, you can view them at oltv.tv. That's oltv.tv. Also, if you want to find out just about anything or get all kinds of different types of glimpses into the Eastern churches, I recommend going to easternchristianmedia.com. That's easternchristianmedia.com. You'll see talks by myself on there, <laughs> and also a number of other sources, and a lot, a lot of great stuff. So easternchristianmedia.com. Kind of like it's developing, it's kind of developing into that one-stop shopping for information on Eastern churches. And speaking of old Eastern churches and what becomes of them, I came across another interesting article, Katie, and this one is from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it's by David O'Reilly from the Inquirer staff, and it's called Special Report, A Frayed Connection. And the article starts out, in the resurgent neighborhood of Northern Liberties, this is in Philadelphia, among the smoked glass condos, hipper-than-thou restaurants, swank salons, and teeming cafes and bohemian tea shops, Old-world holiness still flickers to life on Sunday mornings. Hardly anyone notices. What this article is about is about some grand old churches. Most of the article concerns itself with the churches that are Eastern, Eastern Christian, Eastern Catholic, and how they came to be, what's happened to them now, and maybe what their destiny is. The article continues. Again, the author is David O'Reilly from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He says, in this area of towns, the old area called the... Northern Liberties area of Philadelphia. He says, Therein lies the challenge for the five historic Eastern Orthodox churches in Northern Liberties, some hanging on for their dear life on this one-third square mile patch north of Old City. Their very reason for existence, the Eastern European immigrant wave of the early 20th century, has come and gone from a neighborhood and transformed into Philadelphia's trendiest avant-garde niche, population about 5,000 and climbing. 
I don't see much interest in religion, these people, said Reverend Vincent Saverino of St. Michael the Archangel Orthodox Church, which marked its 100th anniversary last month. Attendance may swell to nearly 300 on holy days, including the Orthodox Christmas on Thursday, but on routine Sundays is at about 60. As in the other Orthodox churches, not one member is from the neighborhood. We'll just stop here for a second. This uh, It's a really interesting article about and about something that is very familiar to me and to you too, Katie, because we both have grown up and lived through grand old churches and old neighborhoods that were established by the immigrant populations, largely from Central Europe, who came here oftentimes ahead of their priests and bishops, and they would establish churches. This is very characteristic of the Eastern churches, both Catholic and Orthodox in America. This is during the 1880s and 1890s. They would come here as immigrants, and one of the first things they would do is to establish or build their own churches. Many of their churches were built by, by hand, by, their, by the parishioners themselves, and then in time they would get their own priests and bishops. But the priests and bishops, uh, for the most part, came later. It was the people came first, and through their devotion, they built these churches. Well, these churches thrived for a number of decades and for a generation or two, but then, as this article explains, people began to move out, began to move away. And the old churches found themselves in, an, in a position they never thought they'd be in because they were just, you know, teeming with people at the time. They were just, you know, as this article actually says, you've got in a small area, you've got five historic Orthodox churches. Plus, there's also the Eastern Catholic churches, such as the Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Cathedral Philadelphia is there as well. In fact, the article does, does mention that church. The article says this, The Ukrainian Catholic Church, Orthodox-like in its traditions and liturgies, poured $6.5 million into constructing the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. The Philadelphia Archeparchy's Council of Priests had voted against the locale, already in serious decline, and lobbied for Montgomery County. Their bishop overruled them, insisting the neighborhood was the, quote, center of Ukrainian life for the region, unquote. So, up it went. 106 feet tall and modeled on the 6th century Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, a jewel of Byzantine architecture. Philadelphia's version was the largest Ukrainian Catholic church building in use in the world and doomed to become, over decades, one of the emptiest. By the mid-1970s, Northern Liberties was a bruised and battered neighborhood of run-down houses and boarded-up warehouses, a newspaper reported. Once alive with theaters, shops, and Oyster saloons. Second Street was so empty you can shoot a cannon down it, a barkeep observed. The area was 50% white, 30% black, 20% Hispanic. The typical family made $6,000 a year. The words urban renewal were always in the air, recalled the priest, Father Bohush, who came to St. Nicholas in 1976. He found himself in a near constant and ultimately successful battle to beat back city plans for a prison, a bar, a drug program, and Section 8 subsidized housing around his stately Greek revival church. When the resurrection of Northern Liberties finally began in earnest about the turn of the century, it brought a wave of like-minded settlers. The churches had seen something like it before and nothing like it. Well, you can see here what happened uh, to these grand old churches. They're all struggling and struggling to survive. And it's been an interesting plight of the Eastern Catholic, Eastern Orthodox churches in America. Yes, this question faced a lot of the Latin Rite churches, like, for instance, the Italian churches, the Polish churches, the ethnic churches. They eventually moved out of the old neighborhoods, too. A lot of those churches are still standing today. Some of them are now occupied by people of other ethnic origins, such as those who are of Latino population or even African-American background. So many of those churches are still in use, but most of them, too, in the Latin Rite, in the old neighborhoods, are just barely hanging on. Some of them have been closed. Some of them have been torn down. It's, it's very, very sad. But it's been the particular plight of the Eastern churches because they tended to be a little bit more clannish, a little bit more immobile, 
as it were. It's a little more intransient. <laughs> and so they tended to stay in these neighborhoods longer, so long. In fact, as this article says about the cathedral, the Ukrainian cathedral in Philadelphia, so long that they even committed to a neighborhood that was already dying. So these are some of the challenges that have faced the Eastern Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches in America, especially in the last several decades. And I know I experienced it as both a layperson growing up in the church and also as a priest and later being involved in relocating churches from old neighborhoods to their new start in new areas. And it's not always an easy thing. It's an exciting thing. It's a, it's a thing of renewal, but it's also kind of bittersweet, isn't it, Katie? Yeah, I would have to agree. You could change any of the names in that article to to Joliet, and it would be the exact same story. And then, but the difference is we decided to adapt and to take our parish and mm-hmm. combine them and make them into something great again. Well, the destinies of the Eastern Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches is something we will deal with again on this program on Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Goulis on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>